0: Listening to Mars, ear pressed to my laptop small speaker that replays a recording captured by seismometer, a bass tone, drones some 140 million miles from Earth. Cabillion being another useful term because Martian wind seems a cabillion million miles from anything I know, gusting unseen across the parched red surface, only accidentally captured. By the InSight lander's equipment, instead tuned to intercept signals from Mars' deep interior, a seismic pulse that will say something about the planet's inner space, the kind of low-frequency waves whales and elephants can hear, though elephants hear through their feet, sound traveling through their giant toenails to the ear via bone, while whales' tiny ears sift the deep for sound vibrations the way their massive mouths sift volumes of water for also invisible krill. At the same time, we're messing them up with underwater sonar blasts, like we've messed up our own atmosphere with radio waves, so that the only peaceful place, free of frequency noise where we might hear from the universe, is on the far side of the moon, once called dark because we'd never seen it, where China just landed, a moon moon craft to listen to what might come from that great stillness, such as the repeating fast radio blasts from some distant galaxy detected by Canadian astronomers who describe the bursts as the wah, 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 wah of a sad trombone. And it is this immensity, the cabillioness of it all, that keeps me sitting here on the dark side of everything motionless next to my laptop, a type of spacecraft, hitting replay, straining to hear an alien wind singing its deep melody through space. Well,
1: hello everybody, this is Tim Green with Rattle Magazine. Welcome to Rattlecast number 233. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's guest is uh, Sally Ashton, before we, begin, we should say that Rattle's a publication of the Rattle Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit working to promote the practice of poetry. We've been a continuous publication since 1995 and are unaffiliated with any other organization. We just love poetry and I know you too, so please do click the like button and share. Make sure you're subscribed. uh, Ring the bell. Like, really do click the like button. I'm not joking. It really helps. You know, uh, if I say click the like button, we get more likes and then you get more random people passing by experiencing poetry, which is what this is all about. So please do click the like button right now if you're joining us. Today's guest is Sally Ashton. I'm um, Sally's editor-in-chief of DMQ Review and professor emeritus at San Jose State University. A lecturer, blogger, and workshop presenter who has taught over 100 workshops. She was appointed the second Santa Clara County Poet Laureate in 2011. Uh, listening to Mars right here is her fifth book of poetry, just released by Cornerstone Press. And Sally, that poem came out uh, in 2019. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it... it ties into um, in a really interesting extended metaphor to the other theme of the book, which is the pandemic. Um, But it was of course written, you know, a year and a half, a year, a little over a year uh, since the pandemic. How did you know how to put this book together? I mean, it's interesting the way you structure the two, the astronomy and and the pandemic and and they're interwoven. And there's a sort of metaphor that it lurks kind of between the two of them. Um, How did this book come to be?
0: Yeah. Um, It is interesting that this poem is probably one of the older poems in the book. The bulk of it was written during the pandemic, but there are a number of pieces that I think we all have these kind of themes that uh, capture our imagination. And we look back and like, oh, there's another poem that's echoing along this way. But um, it was something about uh, being in the pandemic. And uh, when our vision both like, really contracted and we were looking out windows and looking in very small spaces. And at the same time uh, in June, I think it was, there were three separate um, missions to Mars from the United Arab Emirates, from uh, us and from China. And it, you know, because you're paying attention to a smaller world it's like, what is going on? And it just felt like there were suddenly these parallel scientific, Uh, excuse me, science fiction narratives happening. The the science fiction of this uh, pandemic experience, global pandemic that you could never have imagined the year before that we'd be doing the things we were doing. And then it was just like, what the hell are we? Why are we going to Mars? (laughs) Like, are we trying to escape this? And there was that sense of escapism. So I think that's when I got around to seeing what pulled it together. Um, it was those kind of parallel experiences of um, a really kind of ruptured reality that, uh, yeah, that kind of, a, that attracted me. I, these kind of themes of space, though, and listening listening to outer space had, clearly, I was so interested in it back uh, when I wrote the poem, when I saw that um, video clip um, from NASA, so I'm kind of attuned to that anyway, just kind of like in a like an awestruck way, and then it became more like <laughs> what's going on so yeah, and then there in terms of structuring it, um I don't know if you want to talk about that now, is that kind oh, of yeah, um, sure, yeah, yeah, it was uh i mean one way I do it is on a big table, I kind of start grouping poems by themes. And then at a certain point, if I see enough themes, I put themes on a wall. Um, But I was also, I think one of the uh, other kind of marvelous things about the pandemic was the um, resources that opened up. Suddenly there were like these fantastic workshops. There were, you know, lectures in Europe and, you know, things that like Zoom, the whole Zoom world erupted. So I had... um, attended a uh, uh, T.S. Eliot Wasteland workshop led by Bob Haas and Brenda Hillman, which was phenomenal. And the Wasteland um, is organized in five parts. And they were mentioning like a five-act play. And also, the Wasteland was about the rupture that occurred in society after with the introduction of modernism and post-World War One. And there are kind of parallels there too, these kind of great, you know. So I just start, started to play with that, I guess you'd say.
1: <laughs> well, I always love the image of um, a poet – you know, with with like a bulletin board, you know, like one of those conspiracy theory movies. Like a book of poems is like a conspiracy of maybe your like neural synapses or something. <laughs> They're yeah, exactly. like, like this I mean, connects to this, then this connects to this. And then, oh, yeah. it all comes together with this uh, book around one plot. <laughs> yeah. You know?
0: I, do, I also do like a map, like big butcher paper, and then one of those like cluster things, like what relates to what. And I mean, that just helps my, I feel like I have to get stuff out of my, Head and see it uh to manipulate it.
1: So, so so what percentage I mean if you didn't really know that the topic and how it was going to fit together beforehand uh, like what percentage of poems that you were writing you know fit the theme like did you realize was it like fifty percent of what you were writing fit in this book or twenty five or or how much uh, how much uh, of what you are writing was, was all like, about the same thing
0: yeah it, it was um, so once I kind of like at first I was writing pandemic related work and that was also and I'll talk about that later with some of the poems but that was also a result of a couple of workshops I got to sit on in on uh, and also that I was teaching you always kind of uh, internalize things better that way but uh, I would, I mean most of this book was written in during those three years and once I had the kind of concept in mind then I was writing new stuff towards the whole so, in some ways, it was really kind of, uh, it, it happened r- really fast. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's unusual. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'd say maybe maybe 10% are older poems. Mm-hmm. Like that.
1: Yeah. Well let's, well, let's hear the next one you wanted to read uh, for Valentine's Day, a timely kind of poem for uh, the week after.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you published one of my Valentine's poems uh, as a response once. But this is, uh, let's see. For Valentine's Day. For Valentine's Day, which I don't believe in, you took me to the coast and I took you there too because we are lovers, but we are egalitarian. To to the coast we went, a dreamy divagation, Elizabeth Bishop once wrote of her day's end bus ride. But you drove the Subaru, divagating through mountains until our journey turned from west to north to wander up Highway 1 along the coast, past artichoke fields, strawberry stands, the herds of lucky cows half the size of a moose. Lucky cows to dream and graze, sea salted fields at land's end until their lucks run out, as it will for each of us in that car or reading this page. Oh, Valentine, a dreamlike distant hour we slurped Duarte's green, famed green chili soup, and I stole one handful of polished stones from the forbidden beach we visited afterwards that year before everything became forbidden. The drive, the beach, the restaurant we lingered in, bowls of public soup, life as we'd always lived it, common as the cow's grassy days, lost what we'd known and counted on, our three beloved friends and, oh, my heart, the millions more still to be lost since Valentine's Day.
1: Yeah, and that was Valentine's Day. Um, you know, you mentioned that it was a prop poem. Um, so how did this poem come to be? You wanted to write a poem, I imagine, for Valentine's Day?
2: Well, yeah,
0: I'm try- I was trying to remember... It must have been April, isn't that like when every every poetry group in the world like does prompts. (laughs) And so this is actually a combination of prompts. Uh, Kelly Russell Agadon suggested writing a love poem that isn't doesn't turn out to be a love poem. And um, Cassandra Atherton had said, uh, she had a couple of things, but she was saying include intertextuality. So, uh, I just you know I just jumped into the love poem thing, and um so that must have been april and but I was reflecting on valentine's Day and uh because that was was right around the times that things started getting nasty in twenty twenty so mm.
1: Yeah, and I I kind of have forgotten that that you were, it was your poem, which was, uh, let's get rid of Valentine's Day and replace it with second Halloween, which is a great suggestion. Um, In this poem that we just read, you say, uh, for Valentine's Day, which I don't believe in. Um, So since it is like a few days after Valentine's Day, what is it that makes you not believe in Valentine's Day?
0: Well, it just tends to be like, it's, well, it's just obnoxious, number one, because like, maybe like... Five days after Christmas, CVS is just full of hearts and cupids. And then it's like there's like it's like Mother's Day. There's suddenly this big expectation that everybody's gonna be in love. And it just makes people feel crappy that are brokenhearted, are alone, are it's so it's like a holiday that divides people. People want love. And so when you don't have it, it's like, what can make you feel worse than like oh, look at us lovers and, you know, here's all the red roses you're not going to get. So, uh, it, yeah, it feels like how the commercialization of it has um, unfolded uh, and hyped up, of course, by consumerism yeah it's really
1: interesting because i i feel the same way about um, national poetry month you know like it becomes this like consumerist thing for just that month where we're going to like push it in a certain way like we're going to profit off it and the, the concept of it um when of course you know if you love somebody you should love them all year round you shouldn't just <laughs> wait for valentine's day and, and there's just this artificiality to it too yeah. and they had to be pinned to a certain sort of really arbitrary day on the calendar um, i'm not not even yeah. sure why they picked April for National Poetry Month, but but I don't know. In a weird way, they seem connected to me. Yeah,
0: I, <laughs> so, I think it's yeah. because April is the cruellest month, yeah. and like, <laughs> it's just I like so. but, but It's
1: really interesting. Yeah, so this was a Valentine's Day poem written in, um, you know in National Poetry Month. So it was sort of maybe subconsciously (laughs) connecting the two, maybe. Um, But really fascinating. Yeah, so everyone should go back and look. We won't read that tonight, but go back and look at that because it's a fun one and a fun idea, too, replacing it with Second Halloween. Um, Let's see. So we also wanted to uh, mention this is a prose poem, um, you know, for Valentine's Day. And you edit a prose poetry journal. So maybe we should jump in and start talking about prose poems and and what they are. Uh, What is a prose poem to you and why are you so interested in them? I think about half the poems in the book maybe are prose, maybe, maybe 40% or something like that are
0: prose poems. At least 40. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a form or a sub genre of poetry that, um, I, I really enjoy writing in it. Um, you're going to have to ask me some really specific questions or I'm just going to say, I like it. (laughs) Uh, But a prose poem, for those of you who don't know, is a poem that is written without artificial line breaks. So uh, line breaks are typically um, in formal verse, uh, measured by uh, rhythm and beat and rhyme. A free verse then has to incorporate the um, poet's own internal rhythms and the rhythm of thought and speech. And then prose poem goes basically uh, margin to margin, And works within the sentence and syntax, I think, kind of more heavily, which I think probably is why I like it, Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm trying to keep the lyric voice within the realm of the prose poem. Um, And then the prose poem itself has lots of different faces, but the kind of expectation with it is that it could be, um, you know, have a little bit of... uh, fantasy to it or, uh, the unexpected. So the, and it is really closely linked, uh, to flash fiction and lyric memoir, those little brief things, but poetry has that ability or should have the ability to, um, kind of transport and off the page into, a, a, a sense of extra meaning in the language. Mm. Uh, yeah. So that's, if you, yeah. That's what I would say initially. <laughs> yeah. So
1: so what is, I mean, this is the question we always get. I have my own answer, which I probably said, I don't know, ten times maybe on the show when it's come up. But um but but what's the difference between flash fiction and prose poetry? And how can you tell the difference? As an editor, do you ever get submissions and you say, I like this, but it's flash fiction, it's not prose poetry? Like what's the difference?
0: I, I will put in here a little plug for the DMQ review <laughs> at this point. In each issue, I uh there's a little editor's column called From the Ether. And last issue, I think I, I went into what I see as, because I teach workshops on, I teach them, continue, you know, all three together. And again, anytime you start saying what something is or isn't, you're going to find like the bleed, the little genre blur. Um, but uh, I, I, I teach that flash fictions um, dedicated or uh it to the narrative arc, so there is something that has to happen in a in a sense in time. It moves through time. The brief memoir tends to be looking back in time, and it too has a a, a narrative. Doesn't have to have the same arc, but its loyalty is to memory and accuracy of mem- memory. Maybe you're using figurative language, but there's still something that. When it, Push comes to shove, you're 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 really trying to create something that actually happened. Fiction doesn't have to have, but it has to have a character that does something. And then prose poem can do all those things, but it has the ability to just like go off the page, like really pull in the poetic elements of the imagination. Um, and that's a simplified way to look at it. And yeah. so we do have those discussions as an editorial team, like. Is is this too much brief memoir? You know, it's how
1: mm-hmm. it's hard. Well, that's interesting. That's very different than what I usually tell people. So I'm wondering what.
0: What do you tell people? I want to hear. Well,
1: so so what I think of it is poetry is like of the body. And fiction is of the mind. So it's sort of like fiction is like yeah. igniting the mind's eye. Like I always okay. think of like, if you go to a great reading, like my favorite um, prose reading I ever went to is T.C. Boyle. He read okay. two short stories and he was like, the first one's going to make you laugh and the second one's going to make you cry. And then it totally did, you know? Um, and and so, but if you watch his feet while he's reading his poem or any any fiction writer, the the, the their body is not like oriented with... The, uh, the, the voice, you know? And if you watch okay. a poet reading, they're kind of like dancing and moving like because the poetry is like of the body. So I think there's this like continuum between like the mind's eye, maybe it's your, like hippo- hippocampus or something. yeah. <laughs> and then there's like your heart or your body or whatever that is yeah. like being embodied by the music of the sounds of the speaker's voice, right. that music of language. And I think that's the continuum. And then that becomes a trouble because it's like, because it's like this continuum there's no real, you know, it's like any controversial topic, like abortion. Like, when does life begin? You know, like when does it become one, and then the other is like something you can right. debate forever, because yeah. it's just on this like continuum. Where like sometimes it's very obvious that it's like more bodily, even though there's not line breaks yes. to guide you along, yeah. and then other times it's just more creating like a story in the mind's eye. So, yeah. do, do you feel that, that at
0: all? Yeah. No, I I think that's a uh, an interesting way to think of it because. If the, um, I don't know about the feet thing, I'm a distracted. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I love,
1: I, that's why I love readings because you can watch people's feet and like the, the best poets, like the ones who really captivate an audience, they're like kind of tapping their feet a little yeah. bit, you know? And, and, uh, and if, and the ones that are like sort of, you know, nervous and not really into the poems, they're sort of like flat footed, you know? And yeah. so I think there's a, there's a thing there. Yeah.
0: Well, there is. So wouldn't you think Finn, um, to kind of go along with your, of the mind, and then my idea of the narrative that one thing has to happen after the next, so that there is like, like a more purposefulness that doesn't l- let these things go sideways or the uh, things divert the um, intention of a like the intention. I think, po- uh, excuse me, fiction is much more intentional. You're getting someplace, poetry is more uh, maybe nonlinear. And again, it's going to be, you're going to find even my own book. And and I feel like I'm writing like all over those
3: (laughs) a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, in one way, you know, categories are just arbitrary. Like it's all just the way we, we communicate with each other and present our storytelling, you know? And so in a way it doesn't matter. And then another way it's just kind of fun to talk about. So it's really interesting because that's a totally different way of thinking about it than, than I tend to do. So I, yeah. I think that's really interesting um, to think about leap, you know, leaping more and sort of being more maybe elliptical is being prose poetry and more, more linear and focused and intention, you know, focused is, is, uh, is, is prose po- or um, uh, flash fiction. Um, yeah. There There's a question too, um, and I don't think you're written, you're going to read your hyben in the issue, but Katie Dozier wanted to know how you differentiate, differentiate between wanting to write a prose poem versus a hyben. Yeah. Um, and so Katie, she says, "I enjoyed the Hyben in Sally's book. I think there's one.
0: Oh, thank you, Katie. Are there a couple? <laughs> or are
1: there more than one? I can't remember. Yeah, there but... was
3: just one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, and, and so we had this argument actually, me and Katie, a couple days ago, because she no longer likes prose poems because she wants them all to become Hyben. She said, <laughs> okay, <laughs> because you can like like there's no. I think she was saying, and I don't I want to put words in her mouth. Um, she's like right over in the next room, but um, okay. but she said, um. Right, you know that, that prose poems can always be improved by a haiku, so why not just add a haiku? Yeah. So, so why? What is the difference? Like, why did you add the haiku to that one, and and why not in others? And and what do you think the distinction is there?
0: Yeah, um, and I probably am, I don't have it marked in the book. I'd have to go digging through it. But um, I, st- in general, and like the high bun that we've just published in the new issue of DMQ Review the prose is allowed to be flatter, because it's prose. Hmm. And the, um, and then the haiku acts like a haiku does the two parts of a haiku that create that synapse is the at least that's how I learned it and practice it is that there's, there's a space, you know, there, there is that imaginative distance from the prose to the haiku, that kind of creates extra meaning. So yeah, so I have just the one in there. Um, although I called my really long poem about uh, watching birds, those are all riffs on haiku. Hmm. Excuse me, on haibun. So there's some freestanding, and it's all ish, you know, like haibun-ish, haiku-ish. But I was inverting, putting the haiku on top, something uh, Robert Haas has done as well. He'll, he'll kind of manipulate things around that he calls haibun. Um, so I did... a Katie, I did a nice long. <laughs> if you want to take a second look at uh at that one, um, I'm playing more with that there.
1: Uh, well, let's hear. I think the next one you wanted to read was also a prose poem. So let's yeah. read that one too. This was also true, and then we'll look at the get a sense of what Sally was talking about um, with that sort of elliptical nature of uh, the prose poem here.
0: Yeah, and um, this is from the first section, which is really kind of tracking with the pandemic. So this was also true. People began to die. We were forbidden to see. Wash frequently, authorities said. House arrest followed. I was separated from my children. We were warned not to drive except to find food. Grocery shelves emptied. There will be no shortages, they insisted, though I couldn't find soap beans, rice, we were required to wear masks and cry out, unclean, unclean, if anyone approached. Approached, touch no one, they said. If touched, I removed my clothing, washed repeatedly, left my shoes outside. We were forbidden to cut our hair, take food among strangers, our husbands no longer shaved. Women went gray before our eyes, Screens monitored everyone. People died anyway. The president said, it's almost over. The doctors said, it has only begun. After many weeks, we were forced to watch the execution of an innocent man in slow motion over and over. The images ran night and day. The executioner took a knee, looked at me in the eye, hand tucked in his left pocket. The dying man whispered, please. I watched his urine trail across the sidewalk. Don't speak, his executioner instructed. As I've said, I saw this many times. Enough is never enough, but now it was too much. People escaped from their houses. Millions filled the streets. The president washed his hands. This must stop, he said, but it has only begun the
1: people replied. Yeah, very interesting. That was, This was also true. Another of the prose poems from Listening to Mars uh, by Sally Ashton, which compares the pandemic to, as a kind of metaphor, um, astrology in an interesting way, or astronomy, uh-huh. not astrology. <laughs> Sorry. I always okay. get those in my mouth anyway, confused. Um, but so there's an example of another prose poem. How... So, so there's been some discussion recently about categories of poems I don't know if you saw, there was somebody on X, the, the X platform who criticized um, Dan Seuss's sonnets for only being 14 lines, but really sort of prose within 14 lines. And then some people came to her defense and there was this like big fun hubbub about it. Cause I think people enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> and so, and, and there's other questions too. We even had, we already heard a guzzle today um, by yeah. Alexa Broby. And that didn't have all of, follow all the rules of the guzzle. It had the individual couplets that were isolated, sort of leaping through time and space and perspective, which is, I think, to me, the key aspect of a guzzle. Yeah. Uh, and then it had also the the refrain of the one word, but it didn't have the rhyme, the the radif, and. Right how much does it matter to fit the forms is the question I think is in the air a little bit. Do you think it matters whether we call something a prose poem or flash fiction, or is that just some arbitrary thing that's fun to talk about and bicker about? Because, you know, we're poets and we like to, you know, have things yeah. to talk about.
0: Did you think this one was more flash fictiony?
1: No, I thought it was. I thought it was prose po- or prose yeah. poem. Cause it has yeah. And one of the things somebody once told me too, that if it has another theory, maybe is that if it has a paragraph break, it no longer becomes a prose poem because it's not one utterance. I've heard that too. And so sometimes when we publish like a multiple paragraph prose poem, people say, well, that's not a prose poem yeah. because it has paragraph breaks. Um, yeah. but, but even still, it feels like, and I, and I like your concept because I feel like poetry is an art of seeking and trying to understand something and not knowing exactly where you're going. And so the yeah. idea that fiction has a more of a sense of you know what you're doing with it and poetry is more of an exploration and i think you can see that in the prose poem that you just read so i, I i'd call that a prose poem and by both my definition and yours i guess <laughs> yeah
0: okay i'm not sure what my feet were doing but uh it could have been dancing
1: <laughs> yeah maybe we should have like a separate camera for just the feet the foot can <laughs> yeah.
0: i've got a swivel chair which is probably being <laughs> that does help yeah <laughs> anyway well um so uh, the background on this one is is twofold. Um, speaking of like the things that the pandemic opened up, I was able to sit in on a workshop where Carolyn Forche spoke. And she talked about courses. It was a grad course. Um, and I, I know Alan Sladovsky, the professor. So he said, yeah, come comes to doing. Um, anyway, she was talking about the kernel, because uh, students always want to know about it. and it wasn't going to be a poem it actually happened all that stuff actually happened and she just like went home and wrote it down as notes shush, so she wouldn't forget these this like bizarre encounter with this person and someone saw it and said you know oh my god publish <laughs> you know publish it and so that as well as um Another thing I saw about writing cold. Uh, If you want to write, if you want to get to emotion, you want to write something cold. It's a quote from Chekhov. If you want to reach the reader's heart, try to be cold. And part of that kind of coldness um, can be these really short, simple sentences that almost like belie the. not horror but I mean it's pretty horrible and just like writing them super flat these things that like I was trying to think like what would we look if this were like we were looking back from the future because I figured nobody wants to read pandemic poems (laughs) during the pandemic or even now thank you (laughs) um but I just figured, like, what are the things that people, like, would find, like, really hard to believe? And if you just put them in a really flat way, like, we weren't allowed to see our children. I mean, it sounds like we were living in some horrible Gestapo community or something. Um, yeah, that's a, a lot of talk about I'm not exactly sure
1: what the question is. <laughs> well, that's one of the categories, but I love that concept of writing cold, which um, I've never actually heard before. So that was off, and it makes a lot of sense. We have a lot of discussion. A haiku, last week's was a haiku poet. We talked a lot about how haiku work because you add the emotion, like it leaves something for the reader to add themselves into. And it seems like writing cold is exactly the same thing, because having those simple statements that don't add the emotion sort of forces you to add the emotion. And then you get more of that empathy and that feeling of connection, and you 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 actually provide it. And so it's sort of allowing space for the reader to participate too, maybe. So I think that's an interesting concept.
0: Yeah, the, the whole quote, I won't do the whole thing, but He says that, try to be cold, it gives their grief, when you're trying to touch the reader's heart, it gives their grief, as it were, a background against which it stands out in greater relief. So, similar to what you're saying, it gives this little kind of, we always are are leaping into those spaces. That's the beauty of leaps, Mm -hmm. So that they really create that uh, engagement with the reader.
1: Well, let's hear more poems.
0: The next one up
1: is uh, Circumferences. Okay.
0: And this is a different type of prose poem, a free line poem of sorts. Circumferences. When home was a closed circle inside an iron gate. When I spoke to lizards, advising them, looking for advice. When I was seen to consort with crows. A day should be more than a list. Proof of disappearing, an airport drop-off, a single dinner plate rocket ship goodbyes. When I watched for rabbits coaxed the quail to stay with handfuls of toss seed. When I memorized the slippage of stars. When a coyote's hunting song tore at the nights. There were 100 ways of looking out a window. The heart complained forever elsewhere. We spoke by pixel and digit. I made a steady stream of alterations. We sent each other hours of photos, when leaves told stories I couldn't comprehend, when I could not cajole the rain, no coerce the snow to fall, when I knew the landscape of my childhood had forever changed. Owls, too, came near at night. By day, the titmouse built a nest in the birdhouse, the crow in the cypress, the rabbit in the rosemary, but the owl house yawned its door a vacant O. As with any apocalypse, lizards, birds, and spiders thrived. How I reckoned by the moon, it's constantly in constant circle. Moon of little long day night. A circle like the O in hope traced over and over. The circle was the O in hollow, in echo, in home, perfectly empty. Yeah, very
1: interesting. So that was circumferences. Uh, which is a free line poem. And that's something that I'm not familiar with. I think I've, we've published some of these poems, actually, but I never knew what they were called or that there was even a form that people were following when they were doing it. Um, so so this is a free line poem. Explain what that is. Uh, some people are just listening, of course, so that they would help yeah. to know that each line is a full sentence, no matter how long, and there are no line breaks except for periods. But, but what right. is a free line poem, and how do you go about writing one?
0: Um... It's a fun thing to write, uh, and I kind of call it the joy of fragments, even though this isn't a very
4: joyful poem. Uh,
0: And it proceeds, in some ways, it's like, um, uh, maybe it's like a high bun over and over in little (laughs) kind of snippets in that. I mean, there's certainly a sense of relatedness. Some of them have more of a, like, you feel like, oh, that's really super connected. But some of them are more like the guzzle, where there's like, you, you are trying to see the connection, and by trying, suddenly the connection occurs, and it allows for kind of um, an openness of meaning, uh, but I think has an emotional impact. I, th- I think that's what I feel like I'm trying to do when I write one, is building the sense of, you know, maybe there's like a narrative arc of emotion. I don't know about narrative arc, but an arc of building... And release um and hopefully a sense of surprise or revelation something unexpected and even the unexpected associations um i think the mind finds those like oh you know kind of a a neat little synaptical
1: leap that's interesting because it's very similar to The haiku sequence, you know, leaping between different haiku and the guzzle, which you already saw at the opening of the show, the way that those come at a topic from different angles and perspectives and allow you to sort of have a whole range of emotions um, around one topic or theme. Um, do you know anything about the history of the Freeline poem who coined that word or I how long it's been it around?
0: Kind of, um, I think mid-century was just uh, because there was the embrace of both associativeness, like when not just Robert Bly, but I probably, you know, I'm making this up now, but <laughs> my best sense, I mean, I know that that's when it, when it started appearing, when the prose poem got more or less introduced into American literature mid-century, forties uh, and fifties, um, and it was, uh, you know, I think some of the New York poets were using it uh, in the seventies, and th- and that's where I first came across it was um, when I was at Bennington. I had David Lehman as a teacher, and it was something that. And for me, both this form and the prose poem uh, was I found very freeing because I can tend to be like I could talk in iambic pentameter. <laughs> and, that you know, that tends to be like the normal, you know, so trying to break th- out of those patterns that kind of are almost like self-driving and allowing this uh, other kind of energy. And um, so it's I think it's a it's a fun one to play with uh, with Your journal, if you're a type of person who like just writes down little observations, you go back through and see: is there are there linkages? Um, I would never. I wasn't writing those fragments. There were probably some I added. You know, at a certain point, maybe intentionally. I can't. I don't recall on this one. But you know, it's kind of a harvesting of your own kind of psychic material and seeing like, oh. You know, a collage like people who enjoy making collages. Yeah, I think that's a good a good uh, description of collage. Do
1: you have an order that the the sentences appear in? Does that matter, or do you try to make it feel arbitrary so there's a yeah. disjointedness between them, or is there an arc that you're following? Like I'm imagining again, I'm going back to that conspiracy theorists <laughs> map with how you yeah. put the sentences together, connecting them with little uh, red string.
0: Yeah. Well, I know for you know, like for this particular one, I was also using the anaphora of when um and so the and I think because i I was called I, and I don't know did I call it circumferences probably titled it at the end, but I think that when home was a closed circle inside an iron gate was the feeling I had, and that's then that's probably what then drew the lines to each other. Mm-hmm. That's probably the best way I can say. It's not quite automatic writing, but <laughs> maybe it's... Well, letting the subconscious come out. I think
1: there's a lot of strategies for that. And any any way you can do that makes for compelling poetry. Yeah. There There's three poems left you wanted to share. And they all have interesting different ways of writing, different modes of being, really. Do you want to do the next one, Looking at Mars with Stevens?
0: I you. I really like this poem, <laughs> I have to say. And I've never had a chance to read it. and No one ever wanted to publish it. <laughs> But I know other poets have done this aftering of um, Wallace Stevens' 13 Ways of Looking at a Blackbird. Um, I'll read it and then, or should I describe it first?
1: I think most readers are familiar with 13 Ways of Looking at a Blackbird, but maybe not. So, so maybe okay. you should. I don't know. Yeah.
0: So, there, well, I mean, it's a kind of a, a very well anthologized poem, but how I did it was very specifically. Uh, do Using syllabics of Wallace Stevens' poem. So I didn't just like, okay, I'm going to come up with 13 different stanzas. I replicated the syntactical structure and sometimes even a, a line. Um, you'll see, what the, I think the I was of three minds is a line. So 13 ways of looking, excuse me, looking at Mars with Stevens. One. After 14 weeks of lockdown, the news that caught my eye was three space missions to Mars. Two, I was of three minds, like the sky, in which three rockets race to Mars. Three, Mars in transit across the night sky. It was my insomnia obsession. Four, the sky and a woman are one, The sky and a woman and planet Mars are one. Five. I'm not good with Roman numerals. Five. I don't know what's more alarming. Jeff Bezos' space conquest or Elon Musk's Martian colonies. Mars as an outpost or a backup? Six. Constellations cross the window, relentless clockwork. Mars the red, lonely cipher, followed them every night. The moon winced through its phases, already conquered, a lost cause. Seven. O oh, rich man, O oh, rich men, O oh, humans! Why imagine replacement planets? Have you seen the surface of Mars? A wasteland, no air, you can't even walk outside. Eight. I know the noble names, perseverance, hope, questions to heaven. But I know, too, that planet Mars is not in what I know. Nine. When the spacecrafts landed on Mars, it was the dead of the next lockdown winter. Ten. If they had to live there beneath the reddened sun, the pimps of disinformation might sing a new song. Eleven. She wrote out the pandemic in a time warp. Often it seemed like a science fiction, like Groundhog's Day, but waking up on Mars. Twelve. Now we're moving backwards. Mars must be in retrograde. Thirteen. And it was Thursday every day. It never rained, and I wanted it to rain. Mars kept circling a distant red light.
1: And so that was the poem after Wallace Stevens looking at um looking at Mars with Stevens and th- it's interesting that that poem is, is, is one of the central poems in the book because it brings about this metaphor of, of the way that we're so contained and yet we have the stars above at the same time. And so there's sort of, if you think about it, a kind of fulcrum, like you can look up at the sky and you know, it's the same moon as somebody else who's isolated too. Yeah, um, it, it, It's interesting that, that that poem has such a significance within the book. Um and it's a it's a really interesting takeoff on that uh, Thirteen Ways poem too. We had one that was Thirteen Ways of Looking at a T-bird once. So it was a funny <laughs> kind of commentary of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so how often do you do something like that? And and what do you think about the way readers are going to encounter it? Whether or not they know that Wallace Stevens poem or not is really important. I mean, we've published some other poems too that are after something and and that the closeness of that after is something that if you know the poem, it means a totally different thing than if you don't know the poem. And so it's an interesting thing where we really section off the readership with a sort of admission price. Although, I mean, most readers of poetry probably know the Stevens, but maybe not. So how do you think about a poem like that?
0: So I think the goal with a poem like this, at least for me, is that the poem has an allegiance to the original, whatever you're aftering, but it needs to be its own thing so that it could be encountered by maybe they wouldn't uh, know the reference in the title looking at Mar with Stevens, like, oh, who's Stevens? Maybe it's her uncle or something if, if someone was completely unaware of this poem. Um, but hopefully it has enough integrity and authenticity in itself that there that the reader can, see how it's kind of in in this case like um is building out of the whole uh collection. Um yeah so that's I had never uh, I've done syllabics before. Um I had I'd seen some like afterings of this and it just suddenly seemed like a, a good way. I had written this essay for Orion uh, magazine about uh watching oh. Mars and I wanted to somehow, you know, kind of like, can I just put that whole essay in the book? And and then somehow it just uh, occurred to me, like, I can take that material and just, or the, the at least the feeling of it, um, and here's a new container for it. You know, here's a form. And there's also something um, very much, uh, if if you're asking, you know, we were talking about where did the free line poem come from? There's something, I mean, that also it's leaping, um, Mine is, well, but I'm copying uh, Stephen's approach of these um, interconnected but not uh, logically moving uh, associations that um, that could be. I mean, if he had just taken the line break out, you know, <laughs> it would have been a free line. <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, this is the point of the show. I should say, if uh, you're enjoying this conversation and reading, please do click the like button. No matter where you are, it really helps. If it's on, if it's on X, click that. More people will watch it. If it's on YouTube, click that. We've got. You know, over 50 people watching live on YouTube, only 17 likes. It really helps if you click like on Facebook. The same thing. The more you click, the more they feed poetry to more people and then more people get to be enriched by uh, what we're doing. Also, this is time I should say if you have any questions for Sally, please leave them in the chat windows on Facebook or YouTube and I'll pass them along um one thing i wanted to ask sally you know you've been an editor for quite a long time at the dmq review about about the same (laughs) length of time as i've been at rattle how has that changed the way you you know reading submissions how does that change the way you think about your own writing Do you think about it through the frame of like how you would look at it as an editor and does that make a difference and and how so if so
0: dude i look at at this book through that Yeah, just your
1: own writing. If you're going to write a poem, do you think about it like how an editor would look at it? And does that influence the way you write?
0: Um, Not initially. I mean, I guess when I'm shaping a poem at the end, you know, the first thing is just to get the thing onto paper and to to sort out how it's going to move, right? Um, Yeah, I... I think the way being an editor influences me is that it's it's the re- it's similar to any of the reading I do. It's so I'm I'm learning as I read and seeing like maybe moves that I think work or moves that don't work or you know so that kind of stuff just gets into the into the mental you know capacity for writing a poem I guess. Um but I don't think of it maybe I do. You know, I think it's like kind of more of an off thing, like, would I publish this poem? Maybe that's what I think. <laughs> Is this something I would publish? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I wish I could send my poems to my editors, but I um, <laughs> like use an alias and uh, see what they say. <laughs> there...
1: do, do you have a follow-up? Do you have any anxiety of influence when it comes to that? Like sometimes I've written a poem, and I'm like, oh, I hope that I didn't like read this as a submission in like an, you know, a version yeah. that didn't work, but it yeah. you know, like uh, in the back of my head, did I absorb it and yeah. you know, well, steal you know, somebody's I don't... poem? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, not, um, not that I'm thinking of right now. Uh, but I think we all, I mean, how can we totally sift out our influences of what we read? I mean, that's why we read, right? To kind of get in, to get these rhythms, uh, to get, to, to recognize how language works and how it does its kind of moves from subject to significance and, um, yeah, how it becomes more than just the words on a page, more than just journalism reporting, um, how does it, where does that go? So to admire something in a poem, but yeah, not um, I'm not worried about that because I that doesn't feel like that's happened. I yeah,
1: hope. well, there's a way too that that large language models, the new AI that you know is out there, sort of explains the way that we actually become writers. You know, you incorporate the sort of the corpus of what you've read in in a way that's part of you no matter what and you know we end up developing this own large language model of all the things we've read all the voices we've heard added wow. to the nuances of our own psychological characteristics and perspective and you know background and all that stuff into this unique whole but there's a part of everything we've read and everything we've written and so it's interesting to think of it that way too
0: yeah that's a, and that's a good point about those um large language models that's yeah you kind of can't help it you know you i try to like if i'm reading a book or something and i admire something put it in quotes <laughs> if i'm like yeah journaling or whatever and then if i write something that it's coming out of me i just write me after it and it's funny because i can go back and go "What well, did i ever write that you know <laughs> it is
1: I think our memories are funny that way. <laughs> they definitely are. Uh, well, let's hear another poem. Uh, it's a sonnet next up, so that's an interesting turn.
0: <laughs> yeah, a sonnet-ish. I would. I kind of ish my way through the, the formal poems, and I'll tell you more about that. The night was too beautiful. The night was too beautiful to ever write a poem about stars out, satellites, cricket song. The night too beautiful. Memory, a pen stroke of summer's air, the earth cooling silence. What was it there that night too beautiful for a common tongue? An owl call, something rustling in the bushes, a nearby mosquito hum. That night I sat in a lawn chair in the dark, sky watching for a comet's tail, waiting for celestial sights. But then a barn owl crossed overhead, wing wide, open, a different feral light, too beautiful, too beautiful, to ever write a poem about.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. That was uh, the night was too beautiful. Again, we're reading poems from *Listening to Mars*, the newest book by Sally Ashton. And so, tell us about that—about fitting into form and and how not to, how how you play loose with a sonnet form. Then.
0: Yeah. Um, I was calling this. When I was looking at a split sonnet, I mean, I think there's something about the American approach, like Americans want to jazz everything up. You know, they want to take it and jazz it and, you know, make it individual or whatever. Um, I've written plenty of very strict formal, well, not plenty, but some. I don't know. Are they successful? That's another story. (laughs) But this one, so split in that uh, a Petrarchan sonnet has... um, an octave, so eight lines, and then it has six lines. And they both, the top half uh, kind of introduces and describes and elaborates. And then the poem turns into this kind of unexpected territory. So this is split that way. Um, On the page, it's split. Uh, But then I was, when I was thinking about it to talk about tonight, I was thinking, well, it also, I'm a great student of structure. Um Michael Tooney. Michael Tooney has a book called Structure and Surprise. Uh and I thought, you know, this is also maybe what is a poem that goes meditation, no, no description, meditation, description. In any case, it's a <laughs> it's a sonnet uh, that does that. Um that that has a degree of observation and then reflection. And then where the observed world maybe is a little different when you come back to it. Um, and then it was, for me, one of those things that I also teach, like, don't use like the word beautiful. It's so overused. So as soon as there's a don't, I want to. <laughs> so I just use it over and over. Uh, that's the, the title is the running. It's a running title. Um, And I had kind of fun with that, and um, just yeah, Uh, and just and plus the the uh, at the the last line, it's the night was too beautiful to ever write a poem about, and yet I write a poem about it. That kind of thing makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: an interesting sonnet too, because it begins, you know, how it ends, and you know, wraps around itself like that. The audience was talking about all the new rhymes in that sonnet. And Jimmy Papa says, I find the near rhymes fascinating, not sure I even see them all. How much of that is an ear? Is your writing where you're just doing it spontaneously? And how much is something that's conscious as you're, as you're plotting through? Are you trying to find near rhymes for words?
0: If I, I try to recognize them. I try to amplify the sounds. Um, if I find a sound that seems to particularly inform the poem's tone, like that hum, uh, then I'll try to uh press on it um and that goes for kind of the slant or near rhymes as well as the consonants uh trying to get um yeah to play on, to play them once you kind of, once I anyway recognize something then yes I try and uh and particularly with something like a sonnet um I'm not doing n rhyme but I'm looking for the, you know, the, definitely the musicality sonnet is a little song, it should have uh, the rhythm, it should have the melody and um, and then I think uh, in contemporary poetry should have a good leap of surprise of some sort or a, sounds exaggerated and yeah. You
1: know. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So we've seen so many forms already and so many different sort of impetuses for for writing poetry. Is that something you do to push yourself forward? Is writing a kind of exercise, a kind of meditation you do every day? That's what I'm imagining, given the different things that you're diving into. (laughs) The way that you're approaching is that you sort of challenge yourself maybe every morning or something and then see what you can come up with. Is that the process? I
0: I don't. I'm not on a daily uh, routine right now, Um, just when life gets kind of upended. And there's been a lot of kind of life upendingness and the book thing. And and I've actually been working on a bit of a prose project. Um, but I teach and I try to teach new things. And so I write with what I teach. And that's how I get kind of, you know, if I come across something, I'm re- I find it really fascinating. I read up about it. I try to propose a workshop around it and see if anyone's a guinea pig enough to come and join me in the in the chase, um, but yeah, I do um, like uh, the the guzzle that was read earlier. I haven't written one in a while, but it's like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah, it is it, it is a nice challenge um, that way because it, I mean, the opposite of that is the prose poem, right? Where I'm not uh, following any elaborate form formula. But I'm following something in the language and in the imagery um, following out like that. Well, we had a
1: prompt poems issue just back in the fall, and there was some pushback from you know certain poets uh, who think that prompt poems are not real poems because they're sort of influenced from the start or something. Did you feel i mean to me it's the opposite to me having that freedom um, of of having something that you're not intended to do? you know, pushes you into new surprising places and makes poetry more interesting. I mean it's like that it gets rid of that willful will. Like if I think, oh, I need to write about this, you know, difficult time that I was going through and I wanted to write about my father or whatever, then I'm like so directed that the poetry doesn't come out spontaneously. But if you have something to push against that that's not directed at all, it helps you let the subconscious emerge, I think. Is that what you find? is? Do you find that prompt poems let you dig deeper than if you're trying to write something You know, from the muse? I guess that's the alternative. It's yeah. either a prompt or the muse. Yeah. Do, do you find that right. one works better than the other?
0: I think that they are probably work hand in hand because a prompt will, as the word suggests, get me to do something that I wouldn't have tried. And, and I think there's great value in that if you can push out of your typical parameters, the ways that you come to the page and you always think the same way. And you're always, um, so the prompt will lead you in a new direction. Um, something like the Valentine's day poem I, that I read, where I've used those two different prompts and brought them together. And did they follow that prompt, either one of those prompts exactly? No. And I was able to then like uh, work more with it when I, saw that like oh something actually came out of this um so i think a prompt is very similar to a form a formal strategy it's a container or or it's an ignition switch it it pushes you towards the act of writing and then you take the you take ownership of the page at a certain point and recognize what you know do i have a poem here or do i have an exercise Mm -hmm. and even the exercise can like maybe there's a great line out of there that becomes the title of a poem. That certainly has happened. I think anything that we can get to get ourselves to the page um, in a way that's fresh to us, uh, that lets in something new, then that's if it's to quote, oddly someone that you know, if it's not new for you, it's not going to be new for the reader either. So
1: yeah, well, Katie Dugger says, uh, I'd argue the muse is just a prompt master. And maybe yeah. you know we're just being prompted by nature or our lives or something if we're feeling yeah. like there's some inspiration to write a poem. So there's definitely an argument for that, too, that there's really no distinction between the two. How much editing do you do of these poems? Is it, is it a sit down and and focus until it's finished type thing, or is it a many, many drafts prospect? I
0: tend, it, I tend to do... Uh, a lot of drafts a lot of draft moving things around line breaks or not line breaks line order yeah um i do a lot of drafting you know that's what's was fun about that 13 Ways of of um excuse me i keep looking at wallace stevens as well um that take that aftering poem was that it mean even there because i'm trying to fit a uh, counting the same amount of syllables in a line, so I'm still uh, toying with that. So yeah, I do a lot of, I very few things that I've. I can't even imagine one I've written where it wasn't out on a walk, and I suddenly get the last line, or you know, writing. And I'll do like I'll I'll write in my journal about the poem, like I can't find the ending to this poem. Blah, blah, you know, <laughs> somehow finding the next way in. So yeah i was thinking about um how in some ways i think of all poetry as ekphrastic um i mean ekphrasis is about responding to a work of art um but that the first poem i read about this you know was uh, in response to that um nasa recording of the of mars wind but you're finding something beautiful or awesome or scary and you're responding to it and it, you know, it's an, it's an input coming in and that can be a prompt and that can be, you know, a piece of art that can be something you've overheard. Um, it could be some off comment that someone in a lecture makes and it just seems to make something make sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so when you have the, um, a revision of home. You go through many drafts. How radical are the changes you're making? Is it, is it coming at it from completely different angles or is it, it tweaking line by line on, on that level?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I can lop off stuff and move stuff around. Yeah. I, you know, not everyone is the same, but I'm, I, uh, that's what's the beauty. Of, <laughs> of Once I get it onto the computer, I can keep saving the original and just, you know, cut and paste and then start like moving lines around. Yeah, mm-hmm. just right. And there, there's something about that thing, um, the idea of structure and recognizing these kind of uh, common moves that poems can make that you might, I might recognize, oh, look at that's Like I just did when I was thinking about the night was too beautiful. I've been thinking it as a split sonnet and I'm suddenly thinking, oh, it's really kind of like this descriptive meditative structure. Um, So, yeah, I'll I'll try to, again, amp up something if I recognize that kind of a thing going on. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty...
1: Brutal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we have time for one last poem. And this is an Oulipo poem, if I'm saying that right. It's one of those words yeah. I've only seen re- you know Exactly, in print. yeah. Uh, I don't That's even I had to know that. what it stands for, and now I don't even remember. It's something yeah. about the au revoir or whatever yeah. of some movement. So, yeah, well,
0: all, yeah. all you have to know, and I had to write it down too, it's like, <laughs> what? Because it's a French, a, a group of French mathematicians and writers, chiefly French, Italo Calvino was among them, and he's Italian. Um, But it's they so they had the it's the workshop of potential literature. If you can put that into French, then you can do the acronym. (laughs) So, uh, workshop of potential literature, and they um, were they start they were writing this in the 40s and 50s as well. This you know this kind of moving out of modernism and and the kind of formalism that T. S. Eliot was really pushing on uh, American literature, um, or modeling for American literature. And so they were trying to combine um, uh, concepts of math with concepts of language and seeing that connection. I feel like I do like science stuff with language really intrigues me The Einstein's um, thought experiments, which I, I see, like they're just big, beautiful metaphors and whatnot. So yeah, and so the, uh, if you're going to have me read that poem, it's it's a takeoff of one of their very, you know, uh, formal forms. It's, this one was called the N plus 7 form. Huh. The N plus 7, you actually go through a poem, and whatever every noun, you go to the dictionary, count down seven words, <laughs> and that becomes the new noun. And anyway, so what I did was I went to the dictionary on the word... Um, I think it was either time, I can't, it's hard to remember. I don't have this draft, and this was an earlier one. Um, But it was either time, I think it was just time, and then you'll hear the variations of that word. So I didn't replace anybody's stuff. I just went and got, tried to use these every seven words down (laughs) and put them in a poem. It's a challenge. So, yeah, I like prompts. I'm all for prompts. Yeah, Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah, well, let, let's hear this one. Once upon a timepiece, a really interesting. You know, I'm am expecting some strange leaps in this. We'll see if it if it lives <laughs> yeah. up to that.
0: <laughs> Once upon a timepiece, we were four and five, marvelous beings who could do anything, not whimsy, but certain certainty, be anything, something utterly boundless—a bird, a dinosaur, a doctor, a UFO. We were four or five once upon a timetable, our bodies marvelous beings, worn with easiness, changed from flesh to fur to fin to flight, the sky thick enough to walk across from any window, the window of our eyes. Once the timing of days, of nights, running counter to any clock in great fields waiting, sheets of darkness, robes of merciful light, spun of deep grassiness, tunnels and waves, whatever we lifted in our hands. Once upon a tincture, once upon a tinderbox, we romped upon marvelous, being certain nothing would change for us unless we wanted it to.
1: Yeah, that's "Once Upon a Time" piece. A really interesting poem coming up. Um, the the way that uh, playfulness comes into play—no I mean, pun intended, I guess—when you um, are, are writing in these kind of forms is, is really interesting. There's a continuum between like the seriousness of what we're writing about, which is so often really meaningful things that have a lot of emotional resonance and you know import. And then um and then to play is, is something that's really fun to introduce at the same time. so it's a really interesting form. How often do you do that that and I still don't even know how to say it is it ulipo? Well,
0: how often I, call you do it, I call it I call it ulipo, hmm. and that's just because that's what I call it <laughs> again, I don't think I've ever heard it but just, I came across it in reading and you know read about it um, this particular form I haven't I think, This is the only one I've kept. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see it. There's the time words that I, the tinderbox, those are, it's just to me, interesting how language creates a meaning. And do we find it? Do we put it in the language? Is is it suggestive? I mean, tinderbox, it's like something ready to burst into flame or something you light fires with, which is kind of like memory. And, um, To me, that's just so beautiful to make those kind of um, discoveries that are what language is. I mean, it was created by humans trying to express the, well, not the inexpressible. I don't know. There's just something fun about that. So yeah, now it makes me want to go write another one like it. But chiefly, you know, I I kind of combined the, um, the once upon a time, you know, just sort of led me into this kind of, uh memory of growing up yeah well very fun poems and, and interesting
1: to look through this is uh once again uh listening to mars the new book by sally ashton thanks so much for a guest, sally it's been so much fun oh. talking to you about poetry and sharing your work
0: it's so great to be here thanks a lot i'm sorry i can't uh, interact with the audience but um thanks for your questions and for spending the time with me yeah well they're always there if you want to check back
1: and see all the things people are saying it is definitely interesting to see what's going on and yeah. then uh, and then the uh the prop lines later too thanks for being a guest sally it's been great right, talking thanks. to you thanks yep good night good night yeah i us get to with sally ashton her new book is uh listening to mars and you can find all of sally's work at her website which is sallyashton.com just like it sounds sally ashton that's a s h t o n dot com now we're gonna take a quick break as we always do and go to our prompt lines. And the prompt for this week was to write a haiku sequence that talks about love without mentioning it by name. So if you have a, a poem that fits that or any previous prompt that you'd like to share, um, all you have to do is email that first to promptlines@rattle.com. at rattle.com. Just email it to prompt lines at rattle.com, all one word, so I can show that on screen like we were showing Sally's poems too. We have a screen view camera as well. And then find the Zoom link, which I'm about to deploy on Facebook and YouTube. So just go to, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube in the chat window, you can go to the Zoom link, which I'm going to pin to the top um, over there and over on Facebook as well. But if you would like to just enjoy, sit back and enjoy the poems that other people have to share, you don't need to go anywhere. The wonderful Zoom con- <laughs> the stream continues. So just sit tight right where you are and I'll be back shortly with more poetry. And we're back. Thanks so much for your patience. So like I said, the prompt for this week was to... Oops, hang on a second. This. We have a lot of adjustments going on <laughs> as, we, as we approach the prompt lines. And the prompt for this week, once again, I'll put it on the screen make sure this part works, was to write a haiku sequence uh, that talks about love without mentioning it by name. And I think just based on what's going on here, I might have not... Um, automatically set it to mute everybody on entry so if you once you enter mute yourself if you make sure you're muted because like a lot of people weren't i usually i click that button but apparently i didn't this time so katie what did you and we have our prop poems editor can i should unmute say
5: myself you now. can <laughs> unmute yourself yeah yeah, yeah unmute myself. <laughs> so
1: katie dozier is here our prop poem editor hey katie how you doing
5: i'm doing good i'm even more excited than normal to listen to everybody's poems tonight everybody knows i'm a sucker for haiku so this is really <laughs> exciting and i've already read some in our Facebook prompt lines grouped, and they've been incredible. So I'm really excited to see what people share tonight.
1: Yeah, I am too. And, and so, what did you uh, what did you write this week, Katie?
5: Well, I wrote a haiku sequence. Oh, surprise!
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and how did you how did you approach though making it a sequence, and uh, you know how did you know the theme you were writing around?
5: Well, it started just because uh, one popped in my head, uh, the first one. And then I realized that I just wanted to explore this theme and um, go into, I wrote a romantic love poem on Valentine's Day, so I wanted to mix it up and write about my daughters uh, for this haiku sequence, um, which I also didn't have a title, and I posted it so fast that I violated my own rule of not having a title of something, but still sharing it. And then uh, Roberta Berry suggested the title, and so I had that title that she suggested. Which is right there. Which is right there. So, Rainbow Sprinkles. Handprints on the glass door. Growing up. Giant pancake. Speared on a fork. She learns a new word. Singing into hairbrushes. Tangled hug. Climbing up the slide. I say no. Her tantrum. My umbrella. Face. Watering can. Bathtub tea party. The drain of running out of bubbles. Bedtime story. I dream she turns the pages slowly, somewhere over the rainbow sprinkles. Yeah, it's a very interesting haiku there,
1: Katie. You have two that are sort of almost found haiku.
5: Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's kind of ridiculous because one is the name of my chapbook, and it only occurred to me that it's kind of a monoku watering can. I mean, the double meaning occurred to me when I named my chapbook after it, but I didn't really realize it's kind of a monoku.
1: Yeah, two-word monoku. They're watering can. Yeah. And it definitely can. I agree.
5: (laughs) Well, what'd you come up with?
1: (laughs) Okay. Oh, I know what you came up with. Yeah, that's true. So I, um, it was the, the... the funnest, maybe, or the easiest prompt <laughs> we've ever done, because for uh, Valentine's Day, I had this little plan for Katie. So I did a, I got a little happy Valentine's Day card that has little messages in a bottle, and I thought it would be fun to write little haiku Aww. for uh, for Valentine's Day and put them in a little bottle. So it's like, an, you know. And so there was already a haiku sequence for Valentine's Day, and I didn't have to write a poem at 4 p.m. Pacific time today. I (laughs) already had one ready to go. And so here it is. I had to give it a title, though. Mm -hmm. And I was going to think, I was going to call it Love Notes because that's what it's called on the card. Okay. Um, But instead, I couldn't call it love Mm because you couldn't mention love.
5: (gasps) That's true. You would have been disqualified.
1: (laughs) I would have, and I don't want to be disqualified. So I called it... uh, where are we? I called it show notes. There Aww. you go, Aww. show notes, because it all is a show. It's all all the world's a stage. I've heard. Well,
5: I've heard that too. Yeah,
1: and so um, so this is the haiku sequence, and I thought it'd be fun too because if you, you can't really see, but these are like folded in half,
5: and they're all different colors. Wait, I'm really they it's are really too. cute. Oh, you guys have to really see it. Okay, sorry. <laughs>
1: but they're folded in half, so I thought I'd try duo Oh, so they're actually like two line haiku instead of um, three line traditional haiku. Um, and so I was working on that as like a form. I don't know if it really makes a difference or not, but, um, but, but I was playing with that a little bit too. So there's show notes and they're all duoku and there are a few that are not in there because <gasps> the fun part about Yay! it is you can add extra things to a little bottle anytime, Aww. you know, someone's not looking. So there's that. So here's show notes and, uh, here we go. These are the haiku, little haiku sequence. There was one, one each day, I guess for a while out the window, two birds. We split the last sip they've arrived pressed flowers in the doorway her heart never cleaning the mirror sand where the water goes without you the wind of chasing your hair in the wind each night his dreams orbiting a binary star salt lick the surface of time In the background, in the foreground, rock tumbler, (laughs) which, I don't know if you can hear it from here, but we do have a rock tumbler tumbling constantly uh, for the last, like, since Christmas, because it was a A Christmas present for your
5: son. (laughs) It was. Uh,
1: Forever outlasting the last firefly. The whole drive in your lap, three hands. Our path through the snow, an arc. This haiku, someone to give it to. So that is my haiku sequence um, show notes. So let's see what everyone else wrote. And you know there is the the um, tradition of reading a haiku twice, but in a sequence we don't read it twice. That's so, yeah. So just read the haiku once through as you do. And um, let
5: let's... me thank you first for writing that because oh. I feel really like not so. Thank you for writing that best Valentine's Day present ever. Oh well, oh, you're thank welcome. you.
1: <laughs> okay, so first up, let's go
6: to Joe Cottonwood. Uh, Okay, thanks. Hey, Joe. Yeah, great to see you. Didn't expect to go I actually, I love the prompt. I actually did three different haiku sequences. Oh, very nice. Wow. Wow. sent you one. Achiever, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a loose definition of following rules in haiku. (laughs) Um, Great. I guess I I didn't put a title on this. If I did, I would be high school sweetheart.
1: Hmm. Okay. But that's a... Looking forward to it. It's yeah, too much ahead. of a
6: giveaway, I think. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Do, do you have it there? Yep, it's up. Go ahead and read it whenever. I, I sent you it remember. about three minutes ago. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Okay. Yeah. Your freckles. We chat. My friend says she's really built. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. First real date. A hard day's night. Then fast food, Coke. Onion rings, you throw up. Another night we walk, schoolyard playground, kiss our first flashlight, a man scolds. Now you confess, you can't remember that first kiss. I'm outraged. (laughs) You smile. Bodies know what minds forget. Touch, respond. We speculate who will go first. Neither wants last.
5: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I love that. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that, Joe. Yeah, great, great. Uh, you know touching series of yeah. haiku. Yeah, and
5: thanks for writing three. I can't <laughs> wait to read the other two when you submit them. I hope.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, thanks, Joe. Yeah, it was uh, a Joe you. Cottonwood um, with. Uh, High, high school here. sweetheart. High school, that's what you call it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here it's called Your Freckles. Oh, you but Your just...
5: Freckles, oh. I, li- I think I like Your I don't Freckles. Know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, it's interesting. I like them both. Okay. And next, let's go to Sharon Ferrante. Hi. Hey.
7: Hi. Hey, Sharon. Oh, thank you. With the, the, the interview with Sally was good. Oh, yeah. Even though I can't write prose. You
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say can't. There's no, there's got to be some... Is well, expression.
5: Tim outed my no theories on hyphen
7: versus pros. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I've dabbled in it with a couple, a couple hyphen. So I love the interview. Thank you so much. And you know, I love the prompt. And I, I couldn't get a title for mine either. Well, maybe I guess I was trying to, you know, in my I, head.
1: I was trying to remember if, like, in the frog pond or in right. the modern haiku, that they have
5: titles on the sequence. I don't know. I just felt like when Roberta Barry told me that, I was like. Yes, <laughs> Roberta Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy,
7: That's a good point. Cindy yeah. Guterman. Yeah. Cindy Gunderman said, "Yes, if you do a sequence, it should have a title." Mm-hmm. That it makes sense. I mean,
1: a, it's a way, another way to leap through. Yeah, kind of, yeah,
7: it mm-hmm. seems like that. Yeah. I, I wrote them all for my husband. oh And was, I... I w- I just thought of a title, okay? So if you have my poem, I'll just read the title. Okay. Okay. And so we begin. Hmm. His warm hands on my face, morning sun. He lifts me to the top step, flowers in my hair. I sleep in his T-shirt, night shift. The moon smiles for the man that changed me. Dream to dream, his brown eyes.
5: Yeah,
1: those are great. And I love the yeah. teeth and night shift. T- I love the night shift coming in favorites. too
5: to kind of loosen things up in a way. <laughs> it makes it even yeah, more sure. impactful as a sequence. That's really nice.
7: It was fun. I loved it. Thank you so much. Hope your husband loved it too. Yeah,
5: definitely. <laughs> yes. Do yes,
1: okay. take advantage to get that Valentine's. Yes, get the present today. in exactly. there. <laughs> exactly.
7: Yep. a short one. I could have done more, but I said, no, nah, I better just keep it short. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well, it's
5: great.
1: Yeah, great as always. And you know, you know they're going to be great when there's a haiku prompt and share in front I Let's know.
5: I was so glad to see your face <laughs> up there <laughs> on the Zoom.
7: You know how much I love it. Thank oh, you. Well, thanks, Sharon. Thanks.
1: Yeah, it was Sharon Bye, guys. Yep. Bye. Take care. And okay, Sharon Ferrante. And next up, let's go to
2: Susan Talley.
1: And make sure oh, to
6: if you have the... Thank you.
1: Okay, good. We're good. Thanks, Susan. Yeah.
2: Good. This one's called, I wonder what Sharon Ferrante,
0: if she would call this a haiku.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Napkin folding clouds, a broken heart mended by swans. Hmm. Two, after we break ice, the sun glows... Over the Grand Canyon between us. Oh, Those are both wonderful. I love those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Navigant folding
1: glass. A broken heart. <laughs> mended by swans. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. What
5: that. images. Wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. Excellent work. Thanks so much for sharing that, Susan.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
1: That was Susan Talley with uh, two wonderful haiku. And next, let's go to uh, Carla Schwartz.
2: Hi. Can you hear me? I definitely
1: yes, can. Hi. Hey, Carla. How are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing fine. Such a wonderful night of poetry. I also—I didn't realize I was supposed to title this. Well, but I no, wondered, nobody has no
5: supposed su- to title. Now I feel bad. I'm sorry, okay. guys. There's no supposed um, to. There's no. only okay. What we did.
2: There's only what you want. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, if there You're were all the a title, of our poems. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I—the story for this is that I was dreaming that I was writing haiku the next day, Tuesday morning, and the last haiku that I wrote in my dream, I put in this poem which is the last haiku in this poem oh that's really cool yeah you saved (laughs) it that doesn't happen very much yeah i'm very
5: jealous i remember when i saw you posted that and i was like i've dreamed of haiku
2: too like we're talking about this too much guys but we can't right (laughs) right so so this is called um we'll call it one heart Mm -hmm. and here i go magnetic kisses sharing a cold A passing breeze lifts my hand to yours. Knitted sweater, wearing my heart on your sleeve. Physical therapy, medicine ball catch my heart. In ice skating, gliding into your arms. Melting ice, your blades score my heart snowy day ping pong volleying banter one heart buried in joy
6: oh another Aww. beautiful haiku
1: sequence Aww. yeah yeah definitely i love the magnetic kisses that's my favorite.
2: yeah yeah it's,
1: it's also fun too to, to have a haiku sequence so you can like you know the the favorite haiku mm-hmm. I, I don't know i can't help but say which one's my favorite yeah i know it
2: is <laughs> oh. <laughs> thank you so much yeah, yeah thanks carla wonderful thank yeah, you
1: I mean, yeah I maybe mean, it was carla schwartz once again um and next let's go Nivy. to Nivy. Oh, let's go to Nivy. Nivy good yeah, call. Yeah. yeah, is Nivy on here? I didn't see <laughs> yeah. Hey Nivy, how you doing? Hey Tim, I'm doing good, thank you. Hi Katie. How
3: Hi. Are
1: you? Yeah, great to see you and good good bell Thanks. out there. I Katie. saw
5: her little note pop up in the bottom. Uh, I was like, Nivy needs to go to work. No, we
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's definitely get that. Yeah, yeah, good to see you, Nivy. Um I will put into a list, but it needed to have a title. And I seriously can't think of one off the top of
1: my head right now. <laughs>
3: The uh, but awesome sequence.
1: There you go. Nibby's awesome
3: sequence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think one difference between mine and all your echo sequences is that I didn't dedicate it to anybody. I just wrote in general on the theme of love, like right. what I thought love would be, and not like uh, as opposed to me and my husband or me and my parents or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. it's just generally on the topic of love. Well, that's great. Right. Well, yeah, let's hear it. In dawn's embrace, two souls sway in a silent dance. The language of the heart speaks volumes, gentle caresses. Raindrops rattling on the rooftops echo laughter and tears, blossoming together. As the light slowly fades, time slows down, measured only by touch. Starlight weaves breaths and dreams to one, incandescent intimacy Time stops its tenacious ticking, allowing us to last just a little longer, eternally enchanted. Oh, Wonderful, great you.
1: meditation on love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the language of the heart speaks volumes.
3: That's your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I've been trying to resist that impulse. It's I okay. Can't. People like that impulse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, baby. Yeah, take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks, yep. Kitty.
3: Bye. Yep.
1: Bye. 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 Yeah, Good work. Yeah, it was J. Karthik with that uh, and their haiku sequence and uh next up is a colin
8: s who i think is a first-time caller if i remember right hey colin hello hey uh pleasure to meet you guys um yeah i i i'm normally working uh these hours but just so happen to get the um get the day off so i'm just i'm glad to be here um unfortunately i have no haiku for you guys um but i do have the 32 um line of um you know, song that, um, uh, oh, great, make yeah, world. that was
1: last week's front a really Hi. great one, yeah, yeah. yeah, for That's sure. Great. And then, Colin, what is your last name? Because I got to pull it up to find oh, it. Oh, yeah, Sandberg, S A N B B E R G. Okay,
5: well, thanks for spending some of your day off with us. That's yeah, definitely. Where are you
1: calling from, too? I like to like, know with first timers,
8: yeah, yeah, um, Vancouver, Washington, just uh, just north of uh, Portland, Oregon. Oh, oh very nice. cool. Beautiful well,
1: happy to have you on and, and glad it will line up with work. Hope it does again soon, yeah, yeah,
8: yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome, all right, thank you. Um, so this is called My Amygdala. All right, yeah, we got it up, go ahead. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm an almond, you say, and go a little nutty, and see the stick as a snake by mistake, because my vision might be a little muddy, but I make you see. No, you didn't, but I saw it. Come, shudder, I shake you awake to flee, to blink, to slay, to love before it's too late. I make your limbs lie down their life for yours, and you your life for yours. I drag your body for you with the succor of the furious Mars. When vivid is too slow, I take control, or when youth unwise, I summarize. deftly catalog record, etching the lessons alive in your bones. I'm God's little eye, little bean, Even when you so hide from him, you cannot ever hide from me. So be safe so you may stay sane, or else I'll drain your brain, make you ancient and sane. So wicked within your pores, the energy, the inner, flying snake, flying snake, fly, fly snake. Wow, wow very fun yeah thanks
1: for sharing my amygdala yeah uh, I, I love the the i'm an almond you say and go a yeah. little nutty that's a great Ecap- way to start captures why
5: i'm afraid of snakes also that, that's so, true well, i
1: didn't want to mention snakes because <laughs> i don't <laughs> like them but <laughs> yeah thanks so much for sharing that colin thanks. great to have you on yeah yeah thank you guys yep. take care yeah take care there's colin sandberg once again uh, with my amygdala uh next in line we have um dick westheimer Hey Tim and Katie and, and the gang. Hey Dick, yeah, great I'm, to see I'm you. It looks like from... another remote location. So you are this
5: touring
9: am... rooms,
5: at least. <laughs> Man on the moon. Yeah.
9: yeah. Yes. Uh I'm calling from your time zone. I'm up in the Bay Area oh, visiting wow. my all the sun. Uh yes. Actually, <laughs> at five o'clock, what what kind of dark magic is this? Uh,
5: <laughs> That's what I that ask every time I'm in California. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I just
9: wish I was like in England so I could do it at 3 a.m.
1: That'd
5: be all right with me, (laughs) too. That
9: that would be great. (laughs) So, of course, I have an untitled haiku sequence Mm -hmm. also. And it's a little blend of Nive's and the others, and oh. it's not really a sequence. And I cheat at the end. Just for for In <laughs> so well,
5: our expectations shouldn't be lower. So
9: <laughs> there we go. You can cut it out of the uh, cut it out of the feed <laughs> because cheating. So here here we here we go. Alone, so happy she came. Wedding haiku, two worlds, one kiss on our anniversary, getting nothing right. On Valentine's Day, she watches me play pickleball. (laughs) She sends me away. It never leads anywhere. Tech support. Cross-country skiing with my wife. Following, behind. Leaving a small note, saying goodnight. Oh, I'm sorry. Leaving a small note, saying goodnight. Her mother calls, memory lapse. Writer's marriage, 40 years of rough drafts. Memory care, forgetting everything but skin. Here's the cheat. In the herb garden, making love, last. Mm.
10: Mm-hmm.
1: That is great. It's such a variety of those, Dick. Yeah. Did you? I'm curious because you know you're not someone who writes a lot of haiku. Did you write those like throughout the week? Was it like you had a little notebook and you were writing them as you went, or did you sit down and write a whole bunch all at once? Like
9: oh said? no, I, I wrote them. I wrote them um, throughout the week. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one would come to mind and I jot it down or speak it into my phone and and then come back and work it and then i get another one and
5: well there's some gems in there i I have to say you definitely undersold yourself i have to say i have to take a line from your book and Mm -hmm. say my favorite is wedding haiku two worlds one kiss playing off tim's (laughs) definition of a haiku it's brilliant how to
9: get how to get in good with the editor you know
5: i (laughs) I try to as well well
1: thanks so much the pleasure is always yeah have a great have a great
5: trip yeah
9: yeah Yeah, thanks bye-bye
1: There's a Dick Westheimer with a great haiku sequence. There's so much variety in that one. Yeah, yeah. it was. All right, and let's go next to Mark Grinier.
11: Hey, Tim and Katie, how are you doing? Yeah, great.
1: Great Good to see you, Mark. Oh, space. Good to see you guys. From orbit. (laughs) Calling from Mars, very
5: appropriate. It is, yeah.
11: (laughs) And and I
1: also had a Mars reference in a couple
11: haikus. Yeah, I know. Mars
5: is coming up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay.
11: Well, I I cheated. I did have a title, but the title is a cheat. So all you need is. And then the Beatles is the epigraph.
5: Okay. I'll pretend I don't know how to finish that <laughs> lyric, Mark. <laughs> uh, that's the idea. Yes.
11: <laughs> two frogs, eggs in an old slow stream. Tadpoles quiver, sprout legs. Her War is end. Back home, two veterans stroll the Rockies. They're brilliant light, Prone on a blanket. In the Alaskan sun, three bare-ass toddlers <laughs> laugh. Pentagon parking lot, uniform thousands exit to families' warmth. Playing together, I garage door ride my sis. She wins a broken foot. Nightcrawler hunt with gramps. I grab another slippery streak, fresh bait for fish. In Libyan heat, a strident crowd blocks our gate. Our black maid shouts back. Coming home, my brother claimed the upper bunk. He fell. I heard his collarbone break. Ringworm in in winter. Mom shaved our heads. Heads cured each with icy ether baths. Settled in Riverside. So Cal smog, so bad I choked on each deep breath. Lifeguarding the pool, I watched girls sought smiles the flash her naked, nippled breast. The Vietnam War. Loud protests mobbed the streets. I accept an immoral draft. Married on leave at home. In Disneyland we fight. You say flee, I go back. The G.I. Bill succeeds, pays more university years. New poems find light. Maya barks the fence, climbs the tree in our front yard, our boy's first dog friend. While sourdough starter ferments weeks on the counter, swells the bread of life. Oh, yeah, I love the, the progression of that. The yeah.
1: whole biography. Yeah. And, uh, and a haiku. Yeah. yeah, yeah That so was thanks. the idea. Yeah. Well, excellent. Yeah. Thanks so much, Mark. And I've thanks. been wondering about Mark's background. <laughs> now we've <laughs> learned a lot about we've Mark. We've learned a lot now. Well, I'm grateful yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Thank Mark. You. Yep, Thank you. Take care. Yeah, I love those. Uh, all you need is the Beatles.
5: That was a good idea to do it like that. Mm. Not mention love. But everybody fills it in. Yeah. I
1: know. <laughs> for sure. Tricky,
5: tricky. Tricky, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Well, let's go
1: to Zachary Honeycutt, Lex. Let's see if Zachary actually wrote some haiku, or did he surprise did it us? No
2: <laughs>
12: <laughs> hey, Zachary, how you how doing? You
1: hey, how's it going? Hey, Tim and Katie. Hey. Yeah, good to see you. Hmm.
12: I do have that poem from last week floating around somewhere, but I'm going to slip that in later. I'm going to do haiku tonight. Oh, Yay, this is, yeah. Yeah, he's exciting. joining us at the
6: haiku. That's great. <laughs> Come to
12: the dark side.
1: Yes.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it,
12: it's does. it got some of it's got a little bit of a dark tinge not not all of these are necessarily happy but they're some of them are bittersweet romances i think
1: well there is a journal i think i should say of horror haiku
12: what i can't remember what
1: wow. it's called though but yeah so there, there's i mean it's a whole there's a whole um you know science fiction mm-hmm. haiku thing too but there's a horror one i can't mm-hmm. remember what the name is but we should wow. look it up
5: yeah wow
12: Definitely, might check that out. Could get back to me on what that one is. <laughs> yeah, you know? I
5: think Zachary definitely needs to know that. <laughs> <He> does,
12: <yeah. laughs> okay. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. One second. Oh, My thing right. is glitchy. No, I can compliment nice. while you're
5: looking how you wrote Rattlecast on your whiteboard behind you. That is bonus and points.
12: Guess what, Katie? The name on there is George David oh. Clark from.
5: Go, it. I spit it up.
12: I'm glad you pointed that out,
5: yes. I still it's because you're gonna watch it again. That's why <laughs>
12: Yeah, definitely it, it's because I it's because I've submitted to him before and now I'm motivated to submit to him again. I loved that episode because it was really cool to see his perspective on foreign poetry and and yeah. what he liked and what he was looking for in 32 poems. so I was really happy to actually meet him on the show Well technically meet him
1: but, yeah very yeah. good yeah great to hear that well let's go Do you have it have right
12: yeah okay what's love impenetrable. A fortress that can't be scaled. Something gets through. Falling asleep awake, near the winter of the sun. Soon the iceberg melts. Spring awake asleep, near the cold of the daughter. Summer comes again. Fall asleep awake, spring awake asleep, near the winter of the sun, near the cold of the daughter. Soon the iceberg melts, summer comes again. Unpredictable mess, selfish yet kind, confused. The roller coaster. Unpredictable mess, selfish yet kind, confused. As before murder. See an older flame with no less frozen eyes. The same perspective. My-
7: you
12: yeah, know, I love those mirror ones.
7: <laughs> That's too. really
5: interesting. Yeah. I have not seen that before. And I-
1: yeah, very creative. Yeah. yeah, I wonder how much you could
12: do with that form. That's very cool. Thanks for
1: sharing. Yeah, that
5: interesting, thank
12: you. Yeah, yeah. all right. See, see you guys next week. Great rattle cast as always. Yeah, well, th- thanks, thanks, see thanks Zachary. Next week.
1: Yeah, Zachary Honeycutt with What's Love and, and really creative there. <laughs> yeah, let's go next to Brian
13: O'Sullivan. Hey, hi, everybody. Hey. hey, Brian. Great to see you. Hey. Good to see you too. So I'm happy to say that my sequence has a title. Ooh. um Title might be a little bit of a lie because the sequence kind of started about started out as love going through the seasons, and then the more it became about love, the less seasonal it became, the less haikuish, I think, in some ways. But Jen likes it better this way, so I'm good. Um, good. Well, <laughs> she knows what's right. So yeah. Okay. So it's called Seasons Seasons Melt in Our Hands. Pluto's frozen orbit, meatball buried in freezer, <laughs> crack in the ice near the Liberty Bell, Brian meet Jen, falling behind our friends together, comet's tail. You called me Mr. Rochester, lucky mistake. Tidy rows of Irish sweaters, imaginary. In my office, keys in your hand, nerves. At Fergie's, I'd be a bluegrass woman, we laugh. The radiator doesn't hiss, everything laughs with us. You're fed a chicken, almonds and salad, tangy brown eyes. You played, me like, the fiddle, your laugh, yellow pages, taxi uncalled for. Dawn's red glare, your face, that rapid beat. That first summer, we wrapped our arms around everything. At Rittenhouse or Old City, shambling hound. Summer swallow, old ice, panic. HMS Terra, iced in, alone, at a lakeside wedding, breaking the ice again. Niagara's waters pervade the air, United States. Sea glass, where the tide was, growing old with you.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Another great, just a story of love through haiku. Yeah. I love the progression there, too. Oh, me, yeah. too. That's
5: thanks. amazing. Wow. I love that you made me laugh, and then I was suddenly like, oh, wait, this is serious love now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. Thank well, you. isn't that how it goes, too? It yeah. is
5: how it should go in poems, to not stay locked in one zone. Well, in love, too. In love, too,
13: yeah. It was a great problem. Not being allowed to say love was the key. I thought that was really great.
5: Oh, great. I'm so glad you enjoyed it, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thank you. Yep, take care.
13: There's
1: uh, Brian O'Sullivan with uh, Season Melts in Our Hands, a haiku sequence. And Jainthy uh, Rangan is next in line. Hi, Gianti.
4: Yeah, hi. 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 Yeah, good to see uh, you. And so good to see you all. Um, I, I wrote one with the title again, um, this is called ferns and fiddleheads. Mm. Have you eaten fiddleheads? I love fiddleheads. Yeah. I don't know what they mm-hmm. are. What are fiddleheads? Oh, okay. Here mm-hmm. is a picture at the end of it. Mm. Do you see it?
1: I'm pulling it up. It's just taking a second. Uh, okay. Okay, ferns. Okay, here we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh, the fiddle- oh, those are called yeah. fiddleheads. I never knew. Here we go. Mm-hmm. These are fiddleheads. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, hmm. Yeah, so this uh, this one is uh, Fiddleheads Open the leaflets Bound in a group hug hmm. Spores On leafs underside Quilted Protection Fern family Along the stream Kibbutz caring Tree fern Matriarch Sharing ancestry, growing leaves, graduation gowns unfurled, caps thrown midair. Oh, that's wonderful.
1: I love how the, the ferns become a metaphor for love. That's really yeah, clever. That is yeah. really neat. Yeah, yeah, great use. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah, that. Thank
4: you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, again, my, my favorite is the gowns. A growing leaves graduation calendar.
5: I think I like yeah. the first one. But it also makes me really want to get my hands on some fiddleheads and saute them. <laughs> you can eat those things? Yeah, they're amazing. They're <laughs> highly seasonal, which is interesting, too, with Kigo mm. to use in a haiku. It's oh, like a really good word because they have such a short lifespan where you can where Really? You can what, what season? Spring? Yeah, I think it's early spring. It's been like oh. 10 years since I've eaten one. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. well now, where do they grow?
5: I don't know. We're going to go harvesting. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully they're
5: California's
1: she's gotta she's have
5: them
1: somewhere, man. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Tammy. That you. was great.
14: Thank you. Okay, next up is uh Brent Stauffer Hey guys. Hey. hey, yeah, Brent. Great to see you again. Yeah, yeah. It's been uh it's been a a, a great show, and I am now um unsure if I Hello? Oh, wait a minute. What? there we're back, back.
1: <laughs> we, we had you the whole time okay
14: yeah oh oh great so you got to see the, the ah, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well anyway i had a tough time with this uh assignment um haikus just don't come naturally to me and i i, I originally i tried to do the 575 because i i I thought, well, what a it'll make it even more challenging, and it sure did. <laughs> so, there's now a file uh, on my iPad that's called "Failed Haiku Sequence."
5: <laughs> that that's a good title for, right there. For a book or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
14: and I and I because uh, I wanted to keep it in case there's anything in there, yeah. maybe you know. But uh, I'm not. Sh- I don't think so. But you know. <laughs> one, one can dream, but anyway, this 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 haiku sequence does not have a title. Mm,
13: okay,
14: it says it says something where you would think a title would go, <laughs> but but for, but for, for for real, two things. One is. I thought it wasn't cheating if the word was in the title and not in the uh, poem. I don't, I don't think there is such thing as cheating. Just to,
5: I love it's such a position to be like but, the people changing it around on me. I'm usually the person changing it around. On so <laughs> it's fair. It's fair.
14: <laughs> well, good, but it's still a horrible title. It was just there because I felt the need to have some words in that spot on <laughs> okay. the page. It's That's a, a good Okay.
0: Poem. Yeah.
14: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so here we go. Uh, Untitled Haiku Secrets. Dozens of broken lines cross my empty palm. Unreadable I Ching. Bring your tarot. Put the fool in his place, but leave the hanged man at home. I heard fireworks once, but didn't look. My face hid... In the flowers on your skirt. Dewdrops cling to a river lily. Many tiny worlds. Rain fills a pothole with rainwater. What luck! The puddle is pothole shaped. <laughs> Night streets gleam. The porch light falters. Come soon.
1: Oh, that's great too. i love the jumping around of it i think the, you know the jumping around is such a great aspect yeah. of, that i didn't really think about as much as i, I was either. doing it. i yeah. wish i would have
5: jumped around a little more frankly after all these yeah, yeah i
1: love the pothole too <laughs> as, uh, as jared's saying right now yeah, yeah. that's my favorite i
5: movie. know the next time i see a pothole i'm gonna think of film <laughs> <laughs> for true.
14: sure right
1: on yeah, thanks so much Brent. <laughs> that's yeah. cool
5: Thank you. yeah thanks guys
14: great night see right. you soon see yep. you. take care
1: is a Brent uh, Stoffer with untitled haiku. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, next up is uh Bishwaj and Mishra.
15: Hey Tim. Hey, Mishra. Hey, how Tindy, you doing? Good evening. Hey.
5: <laughs> hey.
15: Yes, very interesting. Uh, of course, it's one of the favorite episodes. I don't like prose poems, but I love those poems. The way she was reading, it changed my opinion. I mean, really, very few prose poems I like, but the way her poems were. It just made it look like you need so little to turn out a beautiful poem. Mm-hmm. You look at the words she used, they're so simple. You don't have to look up uh, any word and simple sentences. And I don't know, she, she just spun some kind of magic. It changed my opinion on our pros.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great to hear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mean, maybe maybe she won it's... Katie over, too, with pros. <laughs> <friends. laughs>
15: yeah, I know. When Katie... I saw her I saw her notes, and I said, I agree. I mean, the <laughs> hymen, they make it better. At least you can expect the cream at the end. <laughs> <laughs>
5: that's true. And you write a lot of haiku.
15: Yeah, I tried. I mean, I'm still... <laughs> Uh, So, fragrance, breeze, association in gardens, tulip buds, break open spring, first meeting, setting the forest ablaze, morning sun, sunflower, a day isn't long enough with her, ducklings, training the mother, morning traffic. Gentle gathering of leaves. Dad leaves at the shop. Fog. Through this winter, you and me. Leaving the last lights of pizza. She pretends full. Geese coming home. Mom smile at the door, missing a tooth. Her early sun, new mother wakes up to suckling from leaf to leaf, a raindrop.
1: Oh, that's nice. I love- yeah, that's great. And if, for those uh, just listening, they're shape too, and a kind of crescent mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. which is an interesting format. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. Bridget. Yeah, thank you. I,
5: I love thank the sunflower know. one, I have to say. I think that's my favorite.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think thank so too. You. Yeah, that's thank really you. good. Hey, how long thank have you been writing haiku? Because you, you've been writing a lot on, on uh, Twitter, with Haiga really, with, including photographs too.
15: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I, I started maybe almost a year ago but that was like five seven five i had no idea
5: <laughs> we've all had our own sequence through haiku definitely yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. well yeah, it's been really, really fun, fun to watch if and if nobody if anybody uh, you know doesn't follow you're on twitter and doesn't follow but you find mm-hmm. him there mm-hmm. and uh, really great stuff yeah
15: sometimes it uh, it's a challenge to. i mean you don't have anything and you say okay whatever comes in the morning you just write. i mean you can't hit whole rugs all the time. Like, yeah.
5: <laughs> but you can keep playing. But you have to keep playing. <laughs> you <laughs> yes. them, yeah, it's you do. Stuff. I'm always excited when I see a photo and then it's your Twitter handle and I get to find oh, another haiku. You. Thanks for sharing them so much. Oh, thank you very much. Yep. Thanks JD so much. Take care. care
15: appreciate yep. it. Okay. okay, good night.
1: Good night. Mishra <laughs> with a fragrance, a haiku sequence. Next in line, we have Jared Campbell. A couple more people left.
10: Hey, Jared. Hello hi yeah great to see you again thanks for joining good to see you yep um so i did uh i i called it voir dire Hmm. Um, voir dire is an anglo-norman term meaning to speak the truth and in america it usually refers to the process by which prospective jurors are questioned about their backgrounds and potential (sighs) biases before being chosen to be impaneled on a jury
1: That's interesting. I'd heard that before and I could not place it. So thank you. I'm glad he included the explanation.
10: (laughs) So about being called in for jury duty, basically. Mm -hmm. So Chestnut Street is more street than chestnut. Cold sunshine, Olathe, lines painted on the earth. Park, asphalt, cerulean. Trimmed median, somewhere daffodils slumber, traffic noise. Natural sunshine, uniformed security, items in bins. Lawyers whispering, citizens in pews murmuring, all rise. Yellow Kansas hiding in blue folds, fluorescence. Cell phones off. State your name and number when answering. Plaintiffs' counsel, speaking on civic duty, billing. This case will require you to impartially evaluate. Winter's almost gone. If anyone can't, please raise your hand. Wondering if you've texted me. Contract, diligence, trust. Juror 102, state your occupation. Fluorescent justice. One hour recess. Yelping taco trucks. Who will be chosen? Suburbia. BNSF roaring curtain unveils. Suburbia. Cabeza. Flexible corn holding what is held. Flat Earth radish disc. Beef, lime, onion, corn tinfoil mountain range thinking cilantro coriander missing standing in line returning to the courthouse where you aren't the chosen sit the dismissed walk in cold sunshine summons duty wedlock
1: yeah very fun you're a great wow. use of your time in the courtroom
5: yeah I, my
1: favorite was the suburbia repeating oh
5: yeah yeah had, you reacted a lot to that one you just, I did I yeah that it's one. really good yeah yeah but but the
1: question is though if since you were writing furiously obviously while in the jury room was that more likely to have you be <laughs> selected did they think you were taking like too seriously notes? they didn't know yeah. you're
5: writing poems <laughs>
10: yeah it was it was depending on what you say about your faith and the judicial system affected your likelihood of being chosen <laughs> yeah. so so were you i was not yeah. <laughs> I think,
5: uh, but you yeah. had a good lunch we know yeah
10: for sure but i did have a good
5: lunch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good. Well, i'm
1: so glad a great hike that was really interesting yeah. yeah thank
5: you yeah what, thank for you that.
1: yep what? that was jared campbell uh showing us his day at jury duty yeah a good advertisement for committing your civic duty <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, next, we have a few more people left. Uh, Lucy Chow. Hmm. Lucy usually is. All right. Well, let's go instead to Julian Matthews. We'll swing back and see if Lucy reappears. Hey, Julian. Hey. Hey. Hey, great to see you. Nice rainbow background. Yeah, I like that. Like one
5: that. that one, I should have used that for my haiku sequence. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> so,
10: uh, It's just (laughs) three-liners, sequence. I don't even think it's a haiku. Mm. Um, you have it on screen? Yep, I do. Go ahead. Dying alone in hospital, you climb through my window. In prison, you bribe the guards, bust me out the door. Trapped inside my own nightmare, you reach in, pull me out of despair. Lost all my words. You finish my sentence.
5: Oh,
1: that might be the most romantic of the night, Aww. I'd say.
5: Yeah, well, I'd still say yours is more romantic, Aww. but I do love yours too, Julian. <laughs> well, you're biased, but that's <laughs>
1: I love yours too. Yeah, Thank yeah you. wonderful stuff, Julian. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. Uh, round... well, I'll go on.
5: and say how much I've enjoyed everybody sharing their haiku tonight. I thought it was a kukai, but that's not actually what a kukai is. No. Well,
1: I mean, I don't really know. All I go is by what uh, Richard Gilbert tells me. Well, that's
5: a pretty good thing to go by. <laughs> it is. He seems like he's talking
1: about having lived in Japan for like 30 years. And, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, studied haiku. But, but yeah, the difference is in a kukai, apparently, mm-hmm. you don't know who or what. Oh, And so everybody will submit their haiku. Uh-huh. And then the Haiku Master, which is all about... I don't even know if we have Haiku Master here. Is I guess, the U or something? I don't
5: know if I'm qualified. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the, the Haiku Master would read all the Haiku and everyone would discuss it anonymously.
5: Though. Oh, that's nice.
1: And they drink a lot of sake.
5: I think we're going to have to do that sometime. <laughs> yeah,
1: it'll yeah. be fun. We should have a Kukata Yeah, sometime. we should. Mm-hmm. But, um, but anyway, we also have kelly Sargent's haiku here um, and kelly of course was in rattle's spring issue last year i believe
5: with the beautiful sequence
1: with the beautiful sequence one of katie's favorite and yeah there's one here and katie's gonna read it for you here you go kelly Sargent's haiku sequence hopefully you can
5: live up to this it's one thing to read your own poem it's one another thing to read somebody else's poem you really love so the l word by kelly Sargent. plucking my eyebrows he likes me he likes me not Chocolate fondue, double dipping the banana. Their candy hearts, I swallow more sweet nothings. A single boa feather floats in the coffee the morning after. Fallen petals, how he used to call me pretty. Threadbare, my heart no longer on my sleeve. Valentine's Day. Without a word, he takes out the trash. Anniversary dinner. The harvest moon in the ladle.
1: Hmm, that is some powerful stuff. Oh, a great progression. So powerful. Yeah, I, really. I love it
5: so much. I think my favorite is The Fallen Petals, How He Used to Call Me Pretty. It's just yeah, heartbreaking. That really is. Thanks That's for sharing it. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Great, beautiful poem. Thanks for sharing that, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And then it was Kelly Sargent's poem, mm-hmm. uh, The L Word. which mm-hmm. um, is, of course... Unnamed, so yeah. great, great, clever use of, of following the yeah. rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> so that is going to wrap up our show today. Uh, let's go to the saiku. Let's, let, why not? Mm-hmm. And um, the saiku for this week is based on this article. We went to the zoo yesterday, um, and so it was kind of fitting that this would be the haiku or the the story, the science story that inspired it. Because um, it is fun to watch. I mean, my favorite are all the primates, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, although at the uh, San Diego Safari Zoo, my favorite yesterday was the Lesser anteater. Yeah. I just love the way... He, we watched like a little show, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he like just struts up with his little muscles yeah. and then he like licks yeah. all the ants. He's cute. The
5: zookeeper said he was like Popeye. So yeah. was <laughs> very cute.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was very cute. But but usually my favorite are the are the primates because mm-hmm. um, they're interesting to watch because they're so human. Yeah. And so here's a study. Where scientists looked at primates and um, and saw if they if they tease each other and do that kind of playfulness, and so <laughs> there's like there's there's playfulness which we've like you know pangs up, and a whole bunch of people have like studied playfulness in animals, mm-hmm. but but this teasing. Is, is sort of a one-dimensional humor. It's like yeah. messing with somebody who doesn't <laughs> want to play back. And so, so these researchers look, just watch mm-hmm. you know, four different types of primate, mm-hmm. um, and to see if they like just mess with each other for fun. <laughs> and they all do, oh. which means that like teasing like that, uh-huh. like no, non-verbal in this case, right. um, goes back at least thirteen million years to yeah. when we had a common ancestor. Well, probably. I'm glad to hear him. And so, well, <laughs> here's the article. I should say this is from the Max Planck Institute. Do apes have a sense of humor? And you know, they, they're like, you know, poking and needling each other physically <laughs> to sort of get a rise. And they do like wait to see if they get a reaction out of their, you know, target. And <laughs> these and pictures are great. In this they really are. So it was a fun it was a fun um <laughs> a fun article to read. And so the Saiku for this week, inspired by uh yesterday, at the zoo, is this. He apes at the apes, <laughs> stroller parking. There you go. He apes at the apes, stroller parking. That is a side coup for this week, and that is the show. Mm-hmm. Now, next week's prompt is going to be... Hang on, let me pull it up. The prompt is going to be this. And you can read it, prompt poems editor.
5: Okay, next week's prompt is that we are going to revise a poem that you wrote a long time ago by radically shifting its perspective.
1: Yeah, and so, so why did you pick this as the prompt
10: for this week?
5: You know, I think that uh, revision is something that I've been giving more thought to, how much, as time goes on, you know, we get better as poets. Uh, one thing I was looking at with this week's prompt was I was looking at a haiku I wrote a year and a half ago um, that to me barely constitutes a haiku, and if I thought it, I wouldn't even write it down today. Yeah. So it's interesting to be able to trace our own progression as poetry as a practice and uh, see how much better we can do with something that maybe started off good, but we can do a better job of now.
1: Yeah, well, very interesting. I'm looking forward to it, you know, old poems and seeing what we can do with them. By shifting perspective, though, it's going yeah, to be a interesting. Yeah, shifting
5: perspective will be interesting. And I love that um, that can be taken many different ways, I think.
1: Definitely. So a little yeah. bit of guidance, a little bit mm-hmm. open-ended like we always like to do. So well, thanks for sharing that, Katie. Mm-hmm. And uh, next week's guest in the Rattlecast is... Oh, we should always say... Yeah. (laughs) We should also say that on the uh, Poetry Space, Mm -hmm. which me and Katie also do, is an audio-only podcast Mm -hmm. talking about a topic with a little round table. Mm -hmm. Dick Westheimer's going to be there. Brian O'Sullivan's going to be there. Anybody Mm -hmm. else who's watching going to be there?
5: Um... Oh, gosh, now. Janine hall and then uh, Bethany Jarmel is going to be with us this week, too. Um, we're going to be recording on Thursday and then releasing it on Friday. <laughs> and Tom Barlow is going to be with us this week, too. So we're going to be looking at how to submit more. We did an episode... About submissions that ended up being more the editor side, probably because we had Tim there and we well, had Mark Danowski yeah. from One Art. Um, so there was a lot of great information. We've realized because Tom Barlow, in part, said, "Hey, I think you need a whole another episode on this, and we're going to explore, you know, from the poet's side, submitting, uh, you know, current problems, how we can do better, things we can do to increase our chances." Um, if you have any questions that you'd like asked when we record it, I'm really trying to get me to give people to give me questions in advance so they can ask them and include them in the show. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, very cool. It's going to be a lot of fun, as it always is, having a roundtable discussion, mm-hmm. talking about a topic. It's the Poetry Space. You can find it on, you know, Spotify or iTunes, probably, mm-hmm. I like, primarily yeah. iTunes, anywhere mm-hmm. you can catch your podcast. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, looking forward to that, Katie, and looking mm-hmm. forward to next week's guest. Yeah, me too. And next week's guest in the Rattlecast cast is going to be Michael Mayerhofer, mm-hmm. who you saw in the chat window, maybe, on YouTube. I this saw year, him. watching along, <laughs> seeing what's up. Uh, Michael, you know, has been in Rattle a long time. He's one of the greatest uh, Review writers we ever had He's a great poet too He just does so much He's also In addition to a great poet And a teacher He also writes um, Science fiction Speculative novels too Oh wow So he does a lot of Different kinds of writing Really diverse um, A lot of stuff He's also The strongest man in poetry Because he can wow. bench Like I don't know A thousand pounds gotta,
5: gotta ask that question first it's Like forget <laughs> the poetry What do you bench sir? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> but uh, but he's great uh, He's been down to uh, Brightwood for some events too uh, I always love Michael Great to have him on the show Finally with me And on for a long time um, one of the books that he has that's recently available for free if you want to read it ahead of time is just Google Michael Mayerhofer and What to Do If You're Buried Alive. And the press re-release that as a free ebook, which is an wow. interesting thing too, even though it's an older book. So we'll, we'll promote that and share some posts from that, some newer stuff, some stuff from his more recent books too. Um, that'll be broadcast number 234 with Michael Mayerhofer Monday, February 26th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific a Regular Time. Hope to see you there. Hope you have a great weekend in the meantime, and I'll talk to you later.
5: Thanks! Hi everybody. Bye.